Welcome to Jags AM, I'm Kainani Stevens. Uh, we have some others joining us today as we go over our off-season list here as we look into the off-season and what we're going to be doing for the to-do list. The big thing number one is going to be coaching vacancies. As we know, the defensive staff here, Mike Caldwell and his staff were let go. Also some offensive coaches. Doug Peterson talked a little bit about coaching and what he's looking for in terms of moving forward and about fixing mistakes when they happen on the field. You get down the road during the season and, and Sometimes you do. As coaches, sometimes we say, you know what, we'll get that in the meeting. We'll, we'll fix that in the meeting. And you do. You, you fix it. But I, I want to fix it on the field. If, if Trevor makes a poor decision on the field with a throw, um, let, let's, let's positive reinforcement. Let's let him get it again. Even though he knows exactly where to go with the ball, let's make, let him make that decision differently, right? So, um, But I think sometimes we get, we get caught up too much in – you know, um, let's fix it in the meeting and we'll fix it tomorrow when, when in reality we need to fix it right then. Brian, there's going to be a lot of new coaches around here next year. Doug talked a little bit more about the philosophy of kind of fixing things as they happen, not pushing or kicking the can down the road. What kind of defensive coach should we see or could we see come in here? Well, I mean, you know what you're going to get is somebody who says, I want to attack. Has there ever been a defensive coordinator at his introductory press conference that didn't talk about attacking? I think what's interesting, Kai, is the market is flooded all of a sudden with coaches because of the coaching vacancies that are popping up in places like Seattle, Tennessee, uh, New England. Um, it's a really competitive time to go and find coaches because you not only have these, these, um, these coaches who are retiring, being fired, um, but everybody's looking for replacements. So it'll be very, very competitive. Yeah, I, I anticipate, and this could be wrong, but I, I've been wrong before, Brian, that's why. Um, Not you. Well, once in the <laughs> 70s. But it, it, uh, I would be surprised if it's not a coordinator with previous coordinator experience, just because Mike Caldwell did not have that. Uh, and you would think, usually you go in a different direction. It's uh, sort of the cliche, but it often happens. And Doug is very much the type that wants the defensive coordinator. Doug's going to run the offense. Doug's running the whole team, but he's not going to get overly involved in the defense on a you know, minute-to-minute basis. Uh, so I would think that an experienced coordinator, uh, as Brian said, they'll attack. I've never heard anybody in a presser say we're going to be passive on defense. I would, I would certainly perk up if that happened next week or, or uh, two or three weeks whenever this happens. But I think, I think it'll be experienced. I don't know the scheme, but uh, a wise old head, I would think, would be in that spot. Let's go to big thing number two on our to-do list for the offseason. It'll be free agents. There's some big names here that'll be free agents. Josh Allen, Calvin Ridley, for one. Calvin Ridley talked about what he's looking for in free agency and the fact he'd like to stay in Jacksonville. Of course. I mean, I like these guys. Uh, built relationships with them. Um, I don't really have, really care to learn other people and plays and all that other stuff right now, but uh, you know, God is going to find out where I belong and, you know, if the money right, you know, I do need some of that. We'll, we'll, we're going to figure it out, but um, I got to um, definitely take, I'm going to hit this all season for me personally to get better, you know, so I'm coming back and happy about my play. If the money's right, he wants to come back, John. Is this a priority for this team? Obviously, Josh Allen's going to require a lot of money, too, but Calvin was really important to the offense this year. 
Well, it's a priority to figure it out. And um, I think they have to figure out if it's the right fit. And any free agent that's true of, but it seems like Calvin particularly, uh, he was not the 1,400-yard, 14-touchdown receiver. He, I don't know if he was a, quote, alpha one. Uh, I do feel like there were games that they would not have won had he not been here. He's a 1,000-yard receiver. Uh, he showed at various times a big play element. Was he a, quote, deep threat? No. Uh, but he stood in the end zone a lot. And uh, you be careful to let that get out of your building when it's in your building. So. Um, I, I don't know what the money will be. I don't know what Calvin will think of his market versus what the Jaguars do. Uh, but I think it's something they have to consider because he, he makes plays and he's hard to cover. And of course, it's not just the money. It's if you give him the multi-year contract, he's going to cost you a draft pick. So as you look at where, he, <clears throat> pardon me, as you look at where you're trying to build your team, Kai, um, you think, well, I've got a first round pick and a second round pick. You sign him to a long-term deal, you lose the second-round pick. So you've got to really carefully consider not just what he was for you this year, but what you think he can be in year two and three. And you've got to be brutally honest with yourself because if you want to upgrade the offensive line, and they have to upgrade the offensive line, if you pay Calvin, you're not going to have that second-round pick to get that done. So he is going to be a linchpin to your entire draft strategy as well as your free agency strategy. That's our final big thing today as we look ahead to the draft because that is a little bit of a draft dilemma because if you lose that second round pick, then the focus only goes to that first round pick and this is a team that needs to build up the offensive line. Although Doug Peterson did talk about the offensive line earlier this week and he said he's looking more for consistency than necessarily adding new pieces. When guys are playing together for three games, it's not long enough because then we're making another switch. Right, another it gets hurt, and we got to make another. And then they're playing together for three or four more games, and then Cam's out for four games with an injury or something. And then you know, so the consistency and the continuity—that—that's what—that's what really drives the offensive line. And and then and and we've talked about it in here too. Is is you know, as a staff, we got to get back to what we feel are the best plays for for us as an offense and our backs and 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 sometimes we get away you know we get away from that and and we uh you know we start searching for things that that uh to try to generate that you know that run game a little bit but sometimes um just just go back to the basics sometimes you know things that we've, we've been good at in the past because um, that's the that's the one thing that we have the most reps on typically John, that was a lot of talk about the offensive line, um, but there has to be some needs there addressed. Even if it is you have your starting lineup in the building, if he really does believe that's to be true, they need some backups because we saw a lot of injuries on the offensive line. You imagine that has to be where they look, what they look for in the first round? Well, yes, I think that. And I got a lot of feedback from what Doug said on Monday about the offensive line. Oh, how could he say there's not changes? Here's how the offseason works. Coaching vacancies are addressed immediately. Uh, there's nothing, Doug gains nothing by coming out 24 hours after the season and saying, I don't like this player, I don't like this player, I like this player. There are, is a time in the off season in the three or four weeks coming up before the combine where they will get together, the, the decisions makers and personnel, decision makers and coaching and figure out what the plan is. Uh, I don't think the entire offensive line is back. 
maybe it is, but I would not necessarily take his comments on Monday to mean it's set in stone that it, that the entire starting five comes back in the same way. Uh, yeah, I think the I think the first round pick will be an offensive lineman. Uh, could be wrong, but that's the way I would go. I um, I, they had all season to fix the interior of the offensive line. Phil Rauscher's reputation is that he's an excellent offensive line coach. They couldn't get it done, which means they don't have the players in the middle of that offensive line. Sheriff is a, uh, a an aging veteran who saves you $15 million on the salary cap. I don't see him back. And Luke Fortner was dead roached on the most important play of the season. I don't know how you go forward there. That's me saying it, not Doug. Um, you got to fix the middle of the offensive line. And, and you hope that you can do that um, at number 17 and in free agency. We'll go over some of those options coming up, and we'll also look at the free agents that are both with the Jaguars and coming available this season. So stay with us here on Jags AM. We'll be right back after the break. Welcome back to Jags AM, presented by Fields Auto Group Jacksonville. You can step up to luxury at fieldsauto.com. We're also brought to you by Price.com, the easiest way to save money with comparison shopping, cashback, coupons, all in one. It's free. You can try out Price.com today. back into Jags AM here as we try to recap everything for you from the regular season. We look a little bit ahead to the postseason as well. And we're going to do a little bit of looking at free agency. There's a decent number of names that are on the Jaguars unrestricted free agency. A couple I've highlighted for you guys to look at. Obviously, Josh Allen and Calvin Ridley are going to be the big names. But we talked about the offensive line. Ezra Cleveland is someone that I would like to see back. If you guys were kind of looking at this, um, from what they have available, what, who's, who's some names that jump out to you? Well, I mean, Cleveland's a guy that, you know, a month into him being here, they thought was their best interior offensive lineman. So I would say you definitely want him back. Smoot's a guy that in, in, in 2024, sorry about this voice, 2024 um, should be a year closer to being back after the injury last year. And is a valuable guy and he's not going to cost you a ton of money. John, there's a lot of interesting names. I know we talked about a little yes. bit about this yesterday because some of them, if they're cheap, you bring them back. Some of them, you know, you're looking at your, where do you go elsewhere? I mean, I guess it's what's available, but. Yeah, a lot of these guys are the kind of guys you need, meaning they don't break the bank. They're veterans who have been around. Uh, they're also, I, I agree with Cleveland. I think uh, Cleveland and uh, Josh Allen are certainly back. Uh, you already heard my thoughts on Ridley. Smoot, I hope is back. What you don't know about uh, Dwan, and I hope this isn't the case, an Achilles, which he had, is often very hard to come back from long-term. He's an eighth-year guy. Do they think that there's more than what they saw? Is there gonna be an ascension right. after that? Or is it just what it is? I hope it's the, for I hope it's the former. I hope he's back. I don't know. Uh, Agnew, I'm not quite sure on. Uh, and I don't know about, I don't know about uh, Brandon McManus because this is a guy who, in, in, in November, uh, slumped at a very key time. Right. Now, it was 50-yard field goals. He's not a bad kicker, uh, but he's in his 11th year. So, you know, there are decisions to be made. Do you go with what you know, or do you try to use those spots for the fresh blood that there's going to be some? Right. So and there's two are, sides are those this, those spots? Two sides of the deal, too. Jags could want him back at a certain number, mm -hmm. and he could decide, no, I can get more in the free agent market. Sure. So. It isn't just whether the Jags can, can make a decision to keep him. It's whether he and the Jags can come to a conclusion that works for both. And a lot of that could be, too. Last year, 
McManus was clearly a case of look for it early in the offseason. It didn't hit right in the draft. I think they would li- I think they'd have liked to have drafted a kicker. It didn't quite work out. So uh, do you say we are committing to bringing two or three young guys in here, figuring out and starting that, you know, let's get a cheap kicker for four or five uh, years and then ascend from there. Uh, I don't have a gut on Brand. I think I think that will be a decision that plays out based on how they do in the offseason. Right. Uh, as we look ahead, I think we also have to mention with a new defensive coordinator, they might have a hand in some of the, who they're bringing back, right, when it comes to free agency. I'm sure Josh Allen will be priority number one. We heard from Josh Allen this year. It really feels like kind of a growth point for him. He talked a lot about, you know, understanding. Obviously, he had a personally a great season, but kind of not wasting these years. And, and he also talked about the importance of playing really good football later in the year. Games are meaningful in December. That was our, that was our main focus last year. Play meaningful games in December, December and February, and you know. And when we got in this situation this year, I think the focus changed on going back to the fundamentals and doing that. So it was kind of it took a little step back. Uh, so for us, man, is to to at the end of the day, the goal is to win. What Josh and Trayvon were able to do this season, very impressive. John, when you're looking at a D.C. candidate, obviously that's going to be what it's centered around. This job is centered around those two guys and, and what you can build around with them. What kind of coach would, would be best, or is there a name or anything that you think would be helpful for them kind of getting this defense to where it can be? Well, I'm not sure of names because it's, it's so far out. I think the uh, prototype or uh, you know, the type will be experienced guy. Um, so much of the NFL now is based on nickel. Right. So I'm not I'm not that uh, tied into whether it's a three four guy a four three guy in base. I think what the defense corner has to be happy about is um, you've got two edge guys who are not only good pass rushers but they're good run defenders. They are not guys who you come in and oh we have to work around their skills. You can put them on the edge and they can do whatever you ask them to do. Uh, are they the best uh, tandem in the league? I think, I think they're up there, no matter who comes in. I mean, uh, I kind of got off track. Leslie Frazier, who I worked with in Indianapolis, yeah. is out there. He's an experienced guy. He has run innovative schemes. Uh, he can lead. He's good at the front of the room. Uh, that's my personal knowledge of him, so I would, I would look at him. I don't know some of the other candidates who are out there. Uh, but Leslie fits that prototype, a guy who's been a head coach can stand in front of the room and can run the defense uh, and Doug can trust him to run the defense. Well, and Wink Martindale is a name sure. people are familiar with, Giants, Ravens, um, runs a 3-4 <clears throat> hybrid system that would fit Trayvon in. Um, he's going to have to get more out of Foyer and more out of uh, Devin Lloyd because mm-hmm. they're linebacker centric. But he would fit what John was talking about earlier, which is to have a, a coach who could just run it, go and do his thing. It is almost some, someone you would imagine would be like, not necessarily another head coach in a sense, because the Doug kind of wants to focus on the offense and have the defense kind of be its own thing, and that's the way they run this. But you need to have someone that's experienced and maybe mm-hmm. been a head coach before, or at least been a very experienced coordinator, and is able to come in and do that and command that respect right out of the gate. Well, and in, it's hard to know unless you've been around a guy what kind of a coach he is. But it's clear from listening to Doug that he thought in many areas on the team attention to detail and attention to fundamentals got away this year Uh, when he talked about going back during practice and making sure something was right 
Um, is the defensive coordinator somebody who believes in that? It, is he a teacher? Is he fundamentally focused? Is he comfortable running simple? Uh, because it sounds like this defense needs to be simple. I, I'm not sure that it needs to be complex. Is he a guy that can do both? Can he start simple and get more complex? I think those are the questions he's asking. Uh, it's hard to know when you see a list of names. If you're not in the interview room, it, it's hard to know how that's meshing. But I think that's going to be a huge priority for what Doug's looking for. All right, stay with us here on Jags AM. Coming back, we'll hear some of the parting words from the players as they cleaned out their lockers earlier this week. Welcome back to Jags AM. For 10 years, DreamFinders Homes has been proud to call themselves the official home builder of the Jacksonville Jaguars. You can visit DreamFindersHomes.com for all of the available inventory and go Jags. Welcome back to Jags AM, presented by Jet Home Loans. We're going over the end of the year. The locker cleanout was earlier this week, and we got to hear from some of their players about, you know, the end of the season. It was a tough way to end things, losing five of your last six and missing out on the playoffs in that final game. Christian Kirk always won good with words and, and a little bit of wisdom in that locker room and he said you know they still haven't figured out a lot of the whys for this team but that's something to look at in the offseason and obviously things need to change next year. It's hard in football to just be able to pinpoint on one certain thing this is the reason why we started winning games or this is the reason why we started losing games and I think that goes to say you know everybody wants to talk so much about last year and you know how we all of a sudden switched our season and became a new team and got into the postseason nobody could still give you an answer of why that actually happened and even statistically and factually you can't go and look and say oh this is why so i think we all you know i think there's a sense and a nature of you know at some point it's going to happen and that's not how football works you got to go out there and you got to take it and eventually um you know it'll expose you and the NFL is hard, and we just weren't ready. John, I know you were there for that when Christian said they still hadn't figured out yeah. why they made that crazy run last year, and then everybody was kind of relying on that a little bit, and uh, that's not how it works. Yeah, my impression from listening to Christian, from listening to Travis Etienne, different guys, and then from, li from listening to Doug all year, this is such a hard league to win in, and it's such a game of moments and a game of inches. You know, and. Over a 17-game season, you're going to lose a couple. You're going to win a couple of big. And then a lot of the games come down to moments, plays, and everybody's heard every coach I've ever been around talk about you don't know when those big plays are. Doug talked so much this year, and Christian sort of alluded to it, of guys just not fully grasping the sense of moment and the urgency. And I don't know if I'm even using the right words, but maybe it's coming through in, in, in what I'm trying to say. So I think what the veterans hope is that there are more guys all season who understand the importance of every moment. And I think that's what they think lacked. Uh, a lot of the leaders were talking about that. I think it's going to be the messaging next year, and I think that's what they want to get fixed. And I'm, I'm not sure how to fix it, but it feels like that's going to be the theme next year. Well, let's see if I can get this sentence out um, before my voice goes. The, um, I, I think the guys enjoyed the position this team was in that they had built last year. And I think they felt like they were had arrived. They were one of the best teams. And I, <clears throat> I'm not sure that they knew what it took, as Doug said, to not just be where you were, but to go where they are. And <clears throat> their record this year against the best teams, the Chiefs and the Ravens, I've talked about it ad nauseum, wasn't good. They didn't compete. And I, I don't think that they transitioned from the hunter to the hunted. They didn't understand what it took. They were happy to be here. 
They were satisfied. I felt that. Mm -hmm. You can't be that. There won't be now. This all changes now. There can't be any more, hey, we're just happy to people have us high in the power rankings, that they have us on primetime television, that our games are sold out. It can't just be all the accoutrements. It's got to be the meat, not just the sizzle. And to stay at that status quo, yeah, right? it takes a lot more work. Um, we are getting a little bit more from the players in terms of, you know, speaking now that things are done about how the season went. And Calvin's always pretty honest, which is nice to hear um, from people to just kind of an unfiltered answer. And he talked a little bit about this team getting tired and, and kind of what they went through the end of the season. We don't feel good all the time. You know, you know, you get injuries. Your, your team is not always together and it's just the weeks are just hard. And, you know, somewhere in those weeks we kind of lost it you know I, I think and uh, uh, um, we just we, we couldn't nail those moments that we needed to and uh, we just needed our juice we didn't have the juice I felt so uh, I don't know. Calvin says they didn't have the juice but whatever you want to call it I mean we all felt something was going wrong and, and it's nice to obviously when you're in it I'm sure the players don't want to admit that but they felt it too right and and now that you're away from it you can kind of look back think about what that actually was John and try to address it because when you're in it maybe you're like oh we can fix this let's not you know go yeah. overboard with it but now you can look at it objectively and be like yeah something was up well it's always the big mystery when you're in a streak like that how to pull out of it and when you win it tends to build one way. And then when you lose, it sort of goes the other way. Um, they didn't play bad against Cincinnati. No. They didn't play, I mean, overall, the defense didn't play well. But you know what I'm saying, it was, it was a tight game against a team that finished nine and eight. They, didn't, they played awful against Cleveland, but were close. So you feel like it was still there. And then something with Baltimore, the way they pulled away at the end, they never got it back after that. But I almost feel like if the Baltimore loss had been on its own it wouldn't have had that building feeling in the locker room but you did get the idea of it slipping away and them not knowing quite how to grab a hold of it and turn it around uh if the field goal goes through against cincinnati yeah maybe it changes then everything sort of feels different but that's not the way the league works well, the league is it, what you get as it slipped away it was the same things it was the turnovers it was the penalties it was it was the same mistakes. Yeah, you press, you get, hey, I, I've got to do it. Yeah. I've got to jump in this gap because I want to make the play. And every coach I've ever been around has always talked about how the one thing you can't have is guys thinking that they have to do more than their what job. their job is. But yet when you get in a situation at the end of the season where you've lost a bunch, mm -hmm. human nature is Brian's voice is bad. Well, I want to step in and make a play <laughs> to help him out. You know, you that's, got the rest of the way. That's a natural feeling in a team sport sometimes that hey I, I gotta make a play here well I throw it where I shouldn't throw it mm -hmm. I gotta make a play here I jump I gotta make a play here I jump out of the gap um, that was sort of the story of the season you I think they'll reset it I think the important thing to remember as we wrap up they're not one in 15 right no they're nine and eight so you're not starting from the depths it feels like the depths because you lost five of six but they were one play away, not eight games away. Now, don't settle for that. No. But it's not like you can't readjust and get this thing going again. Uh, they're not the worst team in football. But they were fairly, pretty close to at the end of the season, the way they were playing. 
On to 24. Doug said he wasn't going to settle, and he made changes to the staff. They'll make changes to the roster. Um, they won't stand pat. And they need to, because change can not only be coaching, because there has to be the players on the field as well. And that goes to Trevor as well. He played hurt a lot of this year, very commendable, battling through at least four different injuries. But there's question marks about his development as the mistakes that he's made throughout the season. He being held accountable just like everybody else. Um, Evan Ingram talked a little bit about his quarterback and what he's expecting to see from Trevor moving forward. Honestly, in the, in the adversity, there's a lesson to be learned and there's growth to be had. And I think a lot of things that we all experience, especially Trevor experienced this year, um, he has the right mindset. He has the right um, team around him uh, and the right, you know, I think he has a re the right faith to understand that you know things happen for a reason, and you know, we all can grow better from it. We all can use this, like I said, a part of our story to enable us to truly be who we're supposed to be. John, we talked a lot about this being a year for Trevor to kind of establish himself, and now it turns to next year, and it really becomes that point where when you're getting closer to extending him or whatever you're going to do with him in the future, next year is a is a huge year for him. It is, and you know, it's so hard to judge. I thought he was improving I liked a lot of things I saw until the high ankle sprain and mm -hmm. then he leaves three of the last five games with injuries uh, I get at, one of the things Trevor said at his locker is people are going to have opinions they're not going to be great that's going to be his off season he knows that he gets it um, I, I, I firmly believe he's still the guy moving forward but I also think both sides are now in a situation where it's tough to pay that contract because it's hard to know where it is so I don't know if they'll put it on hold. I, I, I could see it being put on hold. Uh, just to clear things up, I, I can't imagine both 50-year options won't be picked up, uh, Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence. But to clear things up, that's not a contract. That's just, we want to make sure you're here for that fifth year. Uh, so don't think there's any money going out the window. It's not committing to anything. It's just making sure these guys are here. There's a little bit of 50-year money, but it's not a long-term deal. They'll do that. Uh, I don't quite know what that conversation will hold because once you get into big quarterback money, uh, precedents don't always apply. So they could figure out, hey, we want to make this work. We want to have some incentive. Thing. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but I, th I think they wait. I do too. And they have the, um, the luxury of the fourth year and then the fifth year option. So they want to pay him. He wants to get paid. But they need to see more. Mm -hmm. And so you now have the chance to improve and take the pressure off. Um, although there's always pressure with the franchise quarterback. Sure. And we'll deal with that as the season moves forward into 2024. Um, stay with us. We'll come back after the break and talk to you a little bit about what's going on in the offseason here on Dex AM. Jags fans, if you want customized Jaguars furniture for your home, check out ZipChair.com to browse all the customizable options. ZipChair is furniture for fans. We also want to take a moment to honor our Florida Lottery High School Scholar Athlete of the Week, Jackson Copeland. Jackson has proven academic excellence, dedication to the community, and demonstrated leadership on and off the field. The Bright Futures Scholarship Program, which is primarily funded by the Florida Lottery, assists students in pursuing post-secondary educational and career goals. Jackson is hoping to attend Florida State next year. Congratulations to Jackson. And we are strongly going into the offseason ourselves right now, a little earlier than we would have liked, but we're moving ahead now. Um, what are we looking forward to? I'm looking forward to kind of the, the search for this coach, right? Mm -hmm. And that'll obviously be the focus right out of the gate because you got to get someone in here quickly um, and make sure you get the guy that you want to get and then um, kind of going from there. Yeah, and 
I sort of build on what I just talked about, about being nine and eight. There's a feeling that I get from listening to fans like all hope is lost, right? Well, think about, Brian, since I've been back and we've been working together, which has been great, by the way. Um, <laughs> what year did you come back? In uh, 2011. Okay. Well, think about the off-seasons that you went in and the roster that it was in some years. This roster has Travis Etienne, yes. Trevor Lawrence, Josh Allen, Trayvon Walker, Foya Lucan, uh, Evan Ingram. Uh, there are pieces. Yeah. There are, you know, and, and those two outside linebackers are good pieces. Travis Etienne, uh, you know, my point is there has been years where you were looking for one guy who was on that level, right? right. So it's not lost. Uh, you're not in the dregs you have to figure out a way to make some changes. And, and basically they have to figure out a way to get the message across that don't stay out of your own way. Uh, if they can rebuild that, the future can still be bright. Um, but there's work ahead at yeah. the same time. Um, Josh and Calvin. Josh because the salary cap in general. Calvin because it impacts the draft strategy. Sooner than later, so you can figure everything else out, I'd imagine, as well. Um, We're going to take a brief break here on Jags AM. We're going to take a couple weeks off, but we'll be back after the Super Bowl. So we won't be without us for the whole offseason, but we'll take a couple weeks off, and then we'll be back as we dive into that offseason and what they're going to be working on. We thank you, as always, for joining us here on Jags AM. See you soon.